Hello Bedpost listeners! Just a quick heads up, we were dealing with a bit of background noise on the first half of this episode. We just had a really bad luck day with noise in my condo, it was loud up in my apartment, and once we were in the library, there was a bit of drilling happening in the background, and then when there wasn't drilling, we were getting assaulted by a vacuum that was right outside the door. But we decided to just power through it. I only had a limited time with these guests. And I do hope you listen to the episode regardless because the content is really, really fantastic. I will let you know that if it is bothering you that much, it does basically stop at minute 22. So once again, my apologies and I hope you enjoy this amazing episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, of course, Erin Pym. And here at the Bedpost Podcast, what I like to do is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to have a fun conversation about sex and sexuality with me. But first, before I get to my two awesome guests today, I'm going to direct you all to my Patreon because, you know, I've got some great sponsors for the pod, but the Patreon is another way I make money for the podcast. So what you're getting, if you head on over to patreon.com slash the bedpost show, you will get uh, at the highest tier fetish content. So you're getting like uh, videos and pictures pictures and then uh the second uh tier you get two bonus episodes of the podcast a month these are a little 30 minute episodes solo episodes about my life as a professional dominatrix and also uh my personal life as a poly gal at the first tier you're just gonna get one of those episodes but i tell you what at the bur- the first two tiers you're also getting audio erotica that i've written and i read to you so these are stories i used to be a professional erotica writer So, like, years ago I've written these stories, and now I'm recording them all just for my Patreon audience. So that is what you're getting, once again, if you head over to patreon.com slash thebedpostshow. Some good stuff, oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) And uh, that lovely little voice that you're hearing. (laughs) I can hold myself back. (laughs) Okay, today I have... The Gals from Sex Ed School. This is a YouTube uh, series, a new project that I'm absolutely high-key obsessed with. I was just telling the both of them. I literally am talking to everyone about it. So I thought I'd get them here on the pod to talk about it themselves. We have sex researcher Eva Bloom, and we have sex educator Nadine Thornhill. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, Why don't you tell me how this project got started? And what it's about. Oh, yeah. Right. I'm going to let you start because you were, you were on before I was on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind of brought me on. I was like, I think I think Nadine probably needs to be a part yeah. of this. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um, so I was contacted by the producer of the show, Louise Pollard, through my thesis supervisor, who's also done some like TV work around sexuality. So Louise met her through like kids playground type situation she was like do you know anybody that does online sex ed and my supervisor was like I think I do I think Eva might be a good fit for this because you have you have a YouTube empire yeah. <laughs> 
let's be honest. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because I, yeah, I do YouTube sex ed stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of where that started. Like, mm-hmm. Louise telling me her dream for the show. And then I thought Nadine would be an awesome part that she should be a part of it. And thank goodness that you, yeah. you thought of me. So, Louise contacted me after speaking with Eva. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she told me about the project, yeah, I did a little internal happy dance because this is basically, <laughs> it was basically my dream project. So Aww. I've been a sexuality educator for uh, like 13 years now. Yeah, wow. almost 14 years. And a lot of my work as a sex educator has focused around child and adolescent sexuality. Uh, I have my doctorate in human sexuality and that was my focus. But prior to being a sex educator, I was an actor. That's what I... I started my career as an actor when I was like four, uh, did a lot of theater, did a little bit of film and television. So somewhere in the back of my mind, (laughs) I always thought, oh, it would be really amazing if there was a series for kids about like a sex ed series for kids and specifically the age group that we Mm -hmm. targeted, which is nine to 12, because there's a real dearth of you know, frank information for that age group because they sort of aged out of the, you know, where do babies come from, penis, vagina, vulva sort of conversations. They're not quite at the, Mm -hmm. okay, we're about, like, we're getting into sexual relationships and how does that all happen? So people sort of... That come people tend to tend to drop the conversation for at like that age. Yeah, yeah, they're just like, oh, nothing, like, nothing's happening for <laughs> Meanwhile, you. Meanwhile, puberty. Yeah, yeah. Which further from the truth. So yeah, I sort of jumped at the opportunity to be part of this series. Amazing. Yeah. So okay, tell us more about this series. What is it exactly? It's a web series for kids ages nine to twelve. We have eight episodes now. There's episodes on consent bodies, um, puberty, like you mentioned, gender, sexual orientation. What else do we talk about? We talk about a love, kissing, mm-hmm. um, technology, technology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sort of, you know, man, living your online, your best online life, yes. you yeah. know, being a responsible digital citizen, all of that stuff. A responsible, <laughs> digi- yeah. a responsible digital citizen. It's that's, true. That's lovely. How to I be nice to people people online. Exactly. <laughs> that it's so important to have these conversations at this age, your demographic. So as I was saying, part of it is because there's a tendency to sort of assume that because, you know, maybe your kids are familiar with the basics of their body, but they're not in sexual relationships, that sex is irrelevant. And as I like to say, sexuality is so much more than just, you know, your parts and what you're doing with Mm -hmm. them, you know. And there's so much that kids are learning there's so much development that's happening Mm -hmm. in this little corridor and what they're really learning at this age is socialization and so they're learning about relationships they're learning about things like what does it mean that you know I you know am a girl or a boy or I don't quite feel like either or I'm some combination of the two Mm -hmm. um you know they're curious about things like what does it mean when I see older people you know expressing themselves through their clothing or through the way they carry themselves in the world. Uh, What are all these things that I'm watching on TV and Mm -hmm. the internet and, you know, seeing all around me on billboards and, you know, our culture is saturated with marketing and a lot of marketing is rooted in these images of, you know, what are relationships? What is sexuality? Um, how does all of that work? So they're they're in it. Like, they're in families, and their families have different structures. And also at this age, they're very, very sort of caught up in, you know, like, where do I fit in 
in all of this? And how do I express myself? And um, what do these things mean to me? They're just starting to sort of explore that. And so I think really having these conversations that are very much related to sexuality and who we become as sexual people Mm -hmm. is really critical at this age. And I think it's very important not to drop it um, and not to just make it about, well, yeah, what parts do you have and, you know, whom and when might you, you know, put them into or onto or around other people, Mm -hmm. you know, a few years down the line. It's, there's so much that goes into those decisions that they're thinking about right now. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's very interesting that you're saying just about this age range that you're dealing with, because it's like, they're not Mm. kids anymore in the aspect that they're just in their little selfish little worlds Mm -hmm, where it's all about you know what they need and and whatnot at that age they're like aware enough of the world that they're trying they're confused and trying to figure out how to Mm -hmm. interact with the world and that's when the conversation is dropped yeah exactly (laughs) exactly and that's when it seems that it's the most important time to Mm -hmm. pick it up right yeah like my own kid is in that age range and like my kid is in it like in it and every day it's something new and it's navigating all these pieces and it's just it's so much and I mean it's wonderful but it's just it's a lot of change and it's a lot Mm -hmm. of you know the world is a lot it's a lot it's a lot yeah Yeah, I think at that age like we were playing like boys catch girls Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it was tag and when the boys cut the girls they kissed them yeah like, right exactly all of that sort of so stuff. gender roles and sexuality yeah. and like yeah and kissing to learn about like what you know what kissing is about like that would have probably been a good idea <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. before playing also consent yeah, yeah. Also all of that mm-hmm. yeah. yeah exactly do you have anything to add to why this is like an important time to give these people <laughs> these little people's sex education. Yeah. Well, I was going to say about the piece that they're like already so in it and thinking about it. One of my like favorite parts of the show is that we have guests on mm-hmm. and the kids just get a chance to ask them questions. I love that part of the show. Right? Yeah. It's my absolute favorite. And like they were on it like when we had Caleb who's like a trans man come and talk about his experience like like I feel like a lot of parents and older people think that like well a kid has no reference point or will have no idea what questions to ask. And they just like were so curious and open and really did like have questions and then we also had girls that were like able to identify like experiences of like gender roles like how that played out in their own mm-hmm. life yeah, and like, they're smart questions kids yeah. are smart at that age yeah, yeah. they know they so told know as parents and caregivers to you know assume that they oh well wait until you're older you won't understand it yet mm-hmm. you're not ready for these conversations yet it'll just confuse you it's like no yeah. kids are smart yeah nine to twelve oh mm-hmm. my god they know it they're like in this world 2019 100%. almost 2020 they they've heard the word trans mm-hmm. and they're probably like what does that mean Maybe they know kind of what it means, but they want to know more about it. It's, like, just very important at that age to be talking about these things. Well, that's one of the things that I'm really glad that, you know, parents and caregivers who may watch the show with their kids or just stumble upon it on their own will get to see. I think that a lot of times for people, say, who are my age, and I'm in my 40s, where we may not have had open discussions about, you know, trans identities or queer identities until we were adults. I think we often make the mistake of assuming that 
we were able to understand it because we were adults or maybe if we had some confusion around it it was because oh well it's just such a complicated topic and therefore you know you have to be in your 20s or 30s to be able to comprehend it when really part of it was that because we were taught something else as children and as adolescents and we were taught that those things were axiomatic that you know your gender and your genitals are completely intrinsically connected that there are you know that men marry women and that's it if you've been mired in that for two decades of your life it is going to be confusing when somebody has to unpack it and you have to unlearn that Mm. um but that doesn't mean that oh this is just an inherently adult topic or Mm. concept it just means that's when we learned it and so we learned it in an adult context with adult language but what they get to see with this is a, kids understand it because A, they had really good questions, mm-hmm. but B, they got it. Like you could tell those yep, questions 100%. came from this innate understanding of what was happening yeah. and they just sort of wanted details filled in. Mm-hmm. Um, but also parents will get to hear language that is, you know, age and developmentally appropriate for a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old mm-hmm. versus, you know, I think I first learned about trans identities when I saw the crying game and I was 19 years old. Yeah. And that was a, you know, that was an R-rated film. So it was a very adult presentation of, of trans identities. But yeah, you can totally talk about this stuff with your little ones. You just have to kind of change up the words a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You're, we're still talking about, like, age-appropriate education. A hundred percent. We're not yeah. just letting them completely have it at nine years old, right? No. No. No, and it's not necessary. Yeah. yeah. So what what is the nuance there, I wonder? What are we... What should we be talking to them about, and what should we still kind of be waiting? I would say that the... The younger somebody is, the more they are sort of focused on their own experience. So we talked about how little kids tend to be like very, very sort of insular and um, self-focused. And then as generally as we get older and our brains develop, we develop more of a capacity to, yeah, sort of see beyond ourselves and take in more complexity. So, you know, even when we had Caleb there, a lot of their questions were sort of like, okay, you are the person in front of me. What is your experience? What did, yeah, which was amazing. You know, how do you Mm -hmm. feel? What do you need? Um, What is okay for you? And I think, yeah, when you can sort of root these conversations in real people or real stories, so it doesn't have to be like a person who exists, but even if you have a book, you know, Mm -hmm. about a trans character, that is someone that, you know, a child can connect to on an individual level and then as you get older you expand that out to Mm -hmm. well this is an experience that a lot of people have and you know each person's experience may be a little bit different from you know the experience of the person in the story or the person in our family or the Mm -hmm. you know person in our community but underpinning that is this is just a person who wants to be treated in the way that people want to be treated so Mm -hmm. like be nice to them. If they tell you their name, just use that name. If they tell you pronouns, use those pronouns and just treat them with the same basic respect you would treat any other person, yeah. um, which I think that's kind of the, the key thing for kids. And as they grow up, they'll be like, well, yeah, like there's no <laughs> reason. Like what I would love is if we get to the point where it would never even occur to someone to be like, Oh, to question someone's what, pronouns. What, what, yeah. like, what, okay, oh, like, well, well how I do I, see you this yeah, way, like, how so do I deal with, I'm gonna choose to call you yeah, this, like, like, like yeah. yeah, like, do you have complete agency over, like, how you get to, 
like how you identify and how I identify you. You do it just like, you know, with a cisgender person, I'm not going to go up to somebody who is cis presenting to me. And that's the other thing I don't know. And be like, you know what? I don't like, you're telling me your name is Melanie. I don't like that. So your your name is Brenda. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it would be like just as silly if you were to do if that. You were to, yeah, if you were yeah. to do that. Eva, I'm wondering, are there any standout moments in that episode with Caleb? It's it's so pure. I mm-hmm. cry. I, I, can't, I cry at almost every episode. But it's true though. It is because like it's right, so pure. and like you wish that like, or at least for me, like I wish so badly I that I yeah had been told that. Like the stuff around like consent and healthy relationships too. Yeah. Like I think there's one moment where like we had like a true or false question and I really wanted there to be like is it okay for a partner to like tell you what to wear or something like that and like when yeah, Nadine yeah that was one of the questions you used in the show yeah. 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 yeah and when Nadine like says like no like actually like this is not how healthy relationships are like I like got goosebumps because I yeah. know that like friends of mine and like kids watching the show like that like knowledge will impact their life for sure. Yeah. Do you do you have a very personal connection with this series? Like, do you do you wish you were? Do you have very specific things that you're like, oh, I wish I'm doing this because I wish I had this when I was mm-hmm. that age. I feel like oh, like so much of it, like yeah. the healthy relationship stuff for sure, like the pleasure stuff, oh, like yes. the fact <laughs> that there's like a big clitoris and that like we get to say like this is for pleasure and like that we talk about masturbation mm-hmm. and that like that is a normal thing and also like the queer. You're, you're doing it at that age. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. I started doing it as a toddler I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And like, that's yeah, like totally great. developmentally like a thing. Like yeah, yeah. legit. Yeah. Yeah and I think we yeah think too around like sex means like with a partner mm-hmm. but it's like no like these like solo like sexual or sensual or exploratory experiences mm-hmm. can happen when you're really young yeah and then all also all the like queer stuff too yes yeah yes, yeah yeah you're a queer identified person yeah mm-hmm. we have like two queer hosts yeah. like that like yeah it makes me so happy and having like andrew beyond yeah. who's also queer even oh, yeah. though shout out to andrew Gerzo for sure yes Yay. stunning human being yes. yeah yeah, our, our show is, like, all queer all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, pretty Faye intense. on there. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that really intentional for both of you? I don't know that it was entirely intentional. No. I, I I think possibly being two queer hosts, a lot of the people that we knew and knew of, yeah. like, were also queer educators, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that I think that sort of came out about somewhat organically, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, which makes me very happy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's also like, I don't know, like for me, like my sex education like comes from a queer perspective Same. and like yeah. and like queering sex ed for young kids. Like, just makes sense. Yeah, like not gendering the genitals episode and like, I'm trying to think of what other stuff. Yeah, like in all of our examples, like we don't assume like the genders of people in relationships. No. So mm-hmm. I don't know that like perspective and like way of sex education was important for me at least yeah mm-hmm. um what do you think parents are afraid of when they're talking to their kids about sex especially around this age something i often say as and this is partly based on my my experience as a parent myself but also in working with other parents is that a there's a tremendous amount of pressure on parents to sort of do things right mm-hmm. um you know Everything you do involving your child is now, there's this expectation that you're supposed to have this level of, like, skill and knowledge and thought behind it. And I think because we live in a culture where sex and sexuality is still so fraught, 
as a topic, there's this real terror of, but I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm saying. And if I say something and it's wrong, you know, the, I will fuck them up. Exactly. Mm. And that's the other thing is there's this, there's this lingering idea that sex and sexuality is super dangerous and it's unwieldy. And especially when it's related, when you, you relate it to children, because, you know, unfortunately a lot of what, we learn about in terms of children and sexuality are in abusive contexts. So, you know, Mm -hmm. children being exploited, children being physically harmed, um, children being overly sexualized. That's the context that a lot of people have when they think about, oh, my kid and a conversation about sex. It's like, I don't want to inadvertently abuse my child and traumatize them for the rest of their lives, which is a really scary thought. So you're kind of taking two two things that we've been made to feel really afraid of, which is parenting and talking about sex. Um, so, yeah, you know, when I talk to other parents, oftentimes it's not, they can't even quite identify what specifically they're afraid of. They're just afraid. Um, I didn't even touch it. Yeah. And then that fear is very normalized. And so they're just like, this is a reasonable way for me to feel about this. Yeah, it's almost, I feel like it's almost weird to, like, a parent who's very afraid to talk to their child about sex thinks it's weird to see another parent that's really open about that's sex really and open. that's having an ongoing open conversation with their kids. They're like, that's that's too something. Mm-hmm. You know and, what I mean? Yeah. yeah, and also that, like, the fear is okay, but you don't have to listen to it. Like, people are always shocked when I say to them, like, look, I do this for a living, but when it comes to my own child, like, I have the anxiety and I have the fear and I have those, like, oh my god, oh my, I don't want to talk about this. Or they'll ask me a question, and I'll be like, "What now? What? I don't know. Oh my god!" Um, yeah, or, or I'll be yeah, or I'll be up. reactive, yeah. and then walk away and, be, and think I did not want to say it in that way at all. Like I completely screwed that up, which is why I think the idea of just go back, like just make it an ongoing conversation because yeah, you're going to make a mistake and yeah, you're going to say the wrong thing and yeah, you're going to have days when you're tired or you're hungry or you're stressed. And you're just like, what? Or you're, or you're thinking, I don't want my kid to be involved in this. I don't want them thinking about, like, all of that is just part of parenting. Um, and it's going to get messy and, like, gnarly sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. Because if it's just, hey, I'm, I'm going to go back and I'll try again tomorrow or I'll try yeah. again next week, then any one single conversation is not that big of a deal. Yeah, I think that parents mm-hmm. may, might be hung up on thinking it's just the talk and it's one talk mm-hmm. and if you and it's got high stakes. Yeah. <laughs> nail it and you gotta nail it and if you fuck it up you have traumatized your child but it's like okay so if you didn't get it quite right that first time exactly go back have this conversation a couple days later once you've both processed thought of questions thought of answers maybe researched a bit Mm -hmm. you know and then keep talking yeah I I tell you my own kid will have a podcast one day all about the like various ways I fucked up with him talking about sex Um, and it will be so popular. I love it. I want it so badly. Because, <laughs> like, I'm sure you find even, like, both of you are sex educators, mm-hmm. um, myself as well, the three of us, and uh, I find I'm teaching things and I'm like, oh, I-, I have to pause this this lecture for one second and be like, this is hard. I fucked this up too, by the way. Oh, yeah, Do you yeah, find yeah. that, like as well that you're we all struggle right a hundred percent yeah and educators yeah yeah and like teaching workshops like people will bring up stuff and I'm like I didn't even realize Mm. this and like it's cool like I get the opportunity to like 
yeah, like process it. Like often as a workshop, like you get to hear different perspectives and yeah, you're always learning. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're, we're not masters. You're a master of sexting perhaps. Because you've actually had just done your master's. I have a paper, yeah. but <laughs> literally, you are a master of sexting. That's all. That's all. I. That's all. The only reason I did it. <laughs> Except for this shirt. That exactly. I'm wearing. Exactly. That can be the name of your memoir. Master of sexting. Yeah. Thanks, pals. <laughs> Thanks, friends. So, um, I haven't watched your technology episode. So, mm -hmm. where does does sexting come up? What what in what um, context are we talking about? technology and sexuality for kids in this age group. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's definitely like, like fear around just cause like there's fear around sex and kids in general, like sexting and porn is also like a big, like panic topic. Mm -hmm. But a lot of what we talked about, like we have this really great activity where we kind of talk about like how to respect, how to respect like information that people have shared with you online and how to, yeah, respect people like in the online space like we have kids like write down a secret and then they give it to Nadine and I and we talk about like just because you entrusted this piece of information with Nadine it doesn't mean that she now can share it with other people mm -hmm. and like that's as simple as like yeah like messaging your friend like a secret on like on Instagram or something or like if someone took a photo of you like you ask before you post it somewhere so like talking about how that kind of like those that consent and respect applies online in a non-sexual context mm -hmm. and then maybe in other seasons we'll be able to be like and then in terms of sexting yeah. that also, also applies here yeah. same rules apply <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, i love how the basis to a lot of these a lot of these conversations is consent right yeah mm -hmm. and that i feel like that's something that is just completely absent in a lot of our traditional sex education that we mm -hmm. might, yeah. like i went to a, a catholic high school and a catholic grade school so literally that word was <laughs> never even no. said at any point. No. Um, how do we feel about how early we might want to start these consent conversations and in what way might we start talking to our kids about consent? This is one of my favorite topics of all time. <laughs> yeah. So I say that consent is something that can start really really super early in childhood and where I like to introduce consent or I think are good points to introduce consent are around acts of affection and mutual enjoyment so like having fun playing games with people and so with little little kids you know they're, like they're little I, I love I, I love kids confession which is probably good and you know like little teeny kids are just like squishy and adorable and they've got like their little fat cheeks um and so sometimes as adults we're just like I want to like hug you and kiss you and the whole thing and some kids are just like nah I don't like it. Mm -hmm. And so something I will talk to caregivers about is, like, pay attention to that. And with pre-verbal children or children who are just not verbal, you may need to pay more attention to, like, their physical cues if they're kind of cringing and pulling back crying. and, like, crying or, like, you know, doing the thing with their mm -hmm. hands or just, like, get off of me. But, like, pay attention to that and back them up in that. Tell the other adult, okay, I get it, my kid's amazing, but hands, lips off, 
you don't have to say it that bluntly. Um, <laughs> or you can. Or you can. Yeah. You know, maybe negotiate some other greeting or whatnot or some other show of respect, because that can be very important in cultures, is showing some kind of respect to elders or family members that doesn't involve touching. But I always say, the whole point of wanting to hug or kiss someone is to show them that you like them. If they don't like the experience, that experience is not going to translate as loving to them. It's going to translate as gross. Yes. And then you're gross to them. And that's yes. not what you want. You've just mm -hmm. negated the entire purpose of doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and then there's the other thing of like playing with people. So, you know, like when your little kids are playing games, you know, with their friends or their siblings or with you, again, paying attention when they're saying or indicating like, I'm having a great time or I'm not so much having a great time. I want to do something else. I want to do this with you, but I don't want to do this component of you. And again, teaching them how to, you know, talk about those things, teaching them that, you know, if your friend or your sibling is like, hey, no, not for me, then, you know, you back off. You play something else. You play by yourself. You play with somebody else. Um, because again, fun is supposed to feel good. If it doesn't feel good, then what are we doing? Yes. Um, then why are we forcing ourselves what? to be in this situation? <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> Which, you know, down the line, in a decade or decade and a half, if yeah. they become, you know, sexually active with someone, same principles apply. What we're doing here is oftentimes supposed to be fun and or a display of, like, affection, love, attraction. Mm -hmm. And if both people aren't receiving that as, like, hey, this is good times then do something else because it's not yeah, worth yeah, it. Yeah, then go watch a show. Yeah, yeah. Like go literally Netflix like... show. Yeah, masturbate. Like, right. yeah, let's switch it up here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like people who aren't super aware of like uh, teaching consent, like mm -hmm. consent culture really early, yeah. like, I think the thing that we, the scenario that we paint for them is like a relative coming over mm -hmm. that hasn't been over in forever. Maybe they come once a year for Christmas or something. The kid has no idea who this yeah. person is probably. Mm -hmm. And they come in for like a big, oh, give, go give grandma a kiss or something, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I think it's it's the most important conversation I think we can have with our kids. Am mm -hmm. I wrong in, the, in saying that? No, because it's so foundational. Because when you force a kid to, you know, hug or kiss, particularly an adult, and they don't want to, what you're doing is you're teaching yeah. them this very fundamental lesson that whoever has more power in the relationship is more entitled to their comfort, <sighs> their pleasure, <laughs> you know, yes. their experience, and mm -hmm. that what you have to do is you have to acquiesce to that more powerful person, which for people socialized as girls, that's a message that's reinforced over and over and over, or if you're socialized mm -hmm. like me, you know, as a black person, as a person of color, mm -hmm. if you are socialized to have less power, in society, you get that reinforced over and over and over again. And if your own parents have taught you that, yeah, that's how you're moving through the world. It's very hard to undo mm -hmm. that programming. And if you're someone who's, you know, socialized as a white person, socialized as a boy, um, socialized as a straight person, then what you're being taught is when you have the power, mm -hmm. then you get to exert that power over other people and people should defer to what you want. Mm -hmm. And what they want is less important. That is so such an interesting side of that scenario to point out. Mm -hmm. Like, not only are you learning that what you want doesn't matter and you got to do whatever that person says mm -hmm. because they're the one in charge, you're actually learning that when you are that person in charge that you can do this to other people yeah. as well. Yeah, Oy. yeah. Right? I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. It's true because you're right. Like, consent culture, like, we are, most of society is still not having these conversations and this is not how you operate so like it feels like a huge like shift and like so powerful to be like 
teaching this whole other way of looking at how you relate to other people, to kids. And teaching it early, like, so the next generation has a consent culture. Yeah. Um, Okay, on that note, we actually should take a little bit of a break, but I have so much more I want to ask the both of you. Okay. (laughs) So let's do that. We're going to hear from some of our fantastic sponsors, and we'll be right back with Nadine Thornhill and Eva Bloom. Yay! Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Welcome back to the Bid Post Podcast. I'm, of course, Erin Pym, and I'm here with sex researcher Eva Bloom and sex educator Nadine Thornhill. Hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and we thought we would uh, we'd steer this conversation back to your lovely uh, series, Sex at School. I thought it might be a fun topic of conversation to talk about your favorite episodes. Yeah. Eva, let's start with you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> ah, this is tough. I think Nadine and I were just talking about this and I think we've decided that we have the same favorite episode. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. The gender episode makes me really happy. Yeah. I feel like those conversations are really important and I think like having a trans person like Caleb come and like share his experience is like was really, really valuable. And like showing that conversation between the kids. Yeah. And that's the one where I definitely cried the most on set. I was just off just camera listening set. to the conversation, and I remember yeah. one of the girls, I believe, asked Caleb if he had experienced, you know, any, you know, bullying or, you know, yeah. rough times. And I, I think, yeah, what we show in the episode is fairly short, but it was quite a long conversation. And I just remember all of the children were silent and, you yeah. know, listening and rapt. But you could just see all of this compassion mm-hmm. on their faces where, you know, I think they understood at a fundamental level why it's so important, you know, to just accept and treat people, you know, for who they are. They, I think they understood, you know, how 
how much pain it can cause people when we don't extend that sort of basic respect to them. And I was just like, lives are changing. Oh, the as world a watcher, is changing in this room. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I love that moment so, yeah. so much. And I love how like that conversation was such like a pure kid question. Have you ever been bullied? We've all been bullied. Yeah. yeah. We all know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you could tell that they were like, oh no, you shouldn't be bullied yeah. for that. Yeah. And it was their own question. Like nobody prompted no. them to ask. Yeah. They were just so concerned like on their own and I was just like they are just I was like these are just like lovely lovely little human beings yeah I want to hug all of them but they're like we're rolling meeting and you can't just charge the set <laughs> <laughs> right I was so glad we got to like watch the conversations that yeah. definitely like so good listening. so are those legitimately all the kids questions or do you have some prompts in there no nope, none Really? Yeah. Those are just smart questions. Yeah, the director was really adamant that as much as possible, she just wanted to sort of, you know, put them in the room with the guest or put them in the room with the props or what have you and just let them go. And we got so lucky because the group of kids we had were outstanding. They had a great dynamic with each other. It probably, and I'm not even exaggerating, it probably took them 20 minutes of being together because they don't all know each other. Oh, okay. It took them like 20 minutes of being together before they were just like, yeah, we're just going to talk about masturbation and (laughs) blowjobs and porn and like all the words that we know about sex in front of each other and they like they didn't judge each other yeah. they were great they it were, is it they is funny like you at times can tell that you've just like kind of put a, a uh, you're doing like a little social experiment kind yeah of, where you're putting this group of kids in a room and giving them these topics that you know we're taught to feel ashamed or mm-hmm. embarrassed by or whatever and just mm-hmm. seeing you know how open a conversation we can mm-hmm. have about it and how much they'll what they'll react to that and yeah. it's funny yeah. because some of the kids are like saying funny stuff <laughs> yeah. you know they, they they do some of the kid reactions mm-hmm. like they're giggling they're chatty you know mm-hmm. when when a, a particular topic comes up that's like a little like ooh you can hear them like murmur, <laughs> yeah. Murmur, murmur. <laughs> yeah so like that I no, love it I love it I think I, one of my favorite parts was we were talking about we did like pin the pin the fallopian tubes on the uterus and one of the little boys was just like really wanted to know what was going on and I was like just like chat he's like okay wait it's like how does this work so I just like told him about how menstruation works and yeah. he's like okay okay <laughs> and like <laughs> amazing just like pure like curiosity yeah. but i remember he asked the question like he yeah. was this little professor was just like so <laughs> what is a period exactly like, what is, there is one is kid happening? i'm thinking of that's quite brazen in his like questions and his answers he's like he's quite funny yeah yeah <laughs> there's one particular boy mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. There were live and there was lots to say around the masturbation like yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he knew. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Talking mm. from a very learned place. Absolutely, <laughs> he was very proud of the knowledge that he was that bringing to the group. <laughs> like he was basically, you two can leave. <laughs> yeah, I can I've take over. I've, I've, I've got it. It's oh pure God. education. My now. gosh. But it's true. At the end of the shooting weekend, we all like debriefed with them. And at the very end, they started chanting like season two. Yeah. Season two. And they like really got like close and like had a, like, a good experience with everything. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Do either of you have a favorite guest you've had on? Because basically every episode you have a guest, right? Yeah. You're there with the kids teaching some things. Mm-hmm. You do an intro, there's a guest, and then you two kind of yeah. wrap it up, right? Mm-hmm. So do you have a favorite guest? 
Oh, okay, but I don't want to, like, diss any of our guests, because they were all phenomenal. We don't have too many guests. That's true. We have, like, five. Five. There are some episodes where we just do activities. I kind of want to choose... Okay, I'm going to have to choose Andrew, because Andrew's my friend. Yes, in I real know, life. Yeah, yeah. He was my, because he's my friend, too. So yeah, he's everybody's friend. friend. Like, everyone cool I meet. I'm like, oh yeah, Andrew Gerza, obviously. <laughs> I know Andrew. Um, yeah, just because Andrew and I are incapable of being in the same room without just laughing our asses <laughs> off nonstop. Yeah, so yeah, we, We've tried phase. to record a podcast numerous times, and I'm like, this is a nightmare to edit. <laughs> So yeah. I was just, like, going on, like, having oh, a chat. Yeah. So, <laughs> so cute. Laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite moment from the Andrew episode? Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I really appreciated just that Andrew gave them permission to acknowledge that he was a person with a disability in yeah. the room. Yeah. And yeah. So it, what was the question he asked? Because he asked something, and one kid was just like, you're in a wheelchair! Yeah, he was like, what's the first thing you notice about me? And yeah, it was like, you're in a wheelchair! But that's what he wanted. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that he gave them that permission and, you know, opened up the conversation. It was like, it's okay and actually awesome to notice, you know, the different ways that our bodies can be. And sometimes, yeah, the different, you know, devices or things we use to move through the world because mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, you know, I love... You know, Andrew is just generally very positive about, you know, being a disabled person. Yeah. Um, which, again, is something I don't think that kids get yeah. very much, if mm-hmm. at all. Um, I mean, it's certainly nothing that I ever got as a child. You know, mm-hmm. it was always, like, if I ever mentioned something, it was always, like, Shh! Yeah. Like, yeah, that's don't talk rude. about it. Don't yeah. talk about it. Don't um, look. Don't, don't point stare, it out. Point. Pretend it's not there. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I can see being very dehumanizing in a way. If you're like, this is my reality, this yeah. is my body, and people around you are constantly like, what? Huh? <laughs> not yeah. I had no idea. Oh my God. It's basically yeah. like, I don't see you. Yeah. And I can't look at you. Yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. that whole conversation. And Andrew's just funny. And oh, he's so funny. He's great. Yeah. And- and also around, like, having, like, a disability conversation in, like, a sexuality show, yep. I think was really important to all of us, because, like, disabled people can often be like, oh, this conversation's not for you, or, like, excluded mm-hmm. from sex ed conversations, especially as, like, kids. You don't get to have like, a kids. sex life. Yeah, when that's, like, not at all. You don't get to have a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Because you're disabled. Yeah. And, well, interestingly, too, there's sort of a parallel between the way we treat children or, and sexuality and disabled people and yeah. sexuality. It's like we almost infantilize disabled people and part of that infantilization is oh well then sex is irrelevant to you which is not true Mm -hmm. and it's not true for kids either or it's talked about like it's very novel yeah you know when there is a sex education it's like ooh, disabled people have sex it's like dude i'm a regular (laughs) person and i have a sex life obviously like Mm -hmm. yeah treat it like it's like this new progressive thing so, like, it's like, what? No. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking person. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, yeah. And I love that uh, Andrew's whole thing with his disability is, like, he likes to make people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, so what? Yeah, like, ask me questions about it. Talk to me about it. Like, let me point out your ableism, basically. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. That's his whole angle. I'm so here for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so here for it's it. It's a great tone with kids, because it can be, like, a really frank conversation mm-hmm. and, like, work through stuff. Yeah, like, unabashedly. Yeah. And I like how, I think one of his questions was, like, would you think I would have a girlfriend or a boyfriend yeah. like do you think I'm dating someone and they were like yeah yes. <laughs> he was like oh thanks I'm not I'm <laughs> I just needed that like boost 
said so, yes. Andrew. <laughs> yeah, all the kids are like, yeah, Andrew, you can get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, he's Thank like, you. basically like, do you guys think I'm hot? <laughs> Have you aired this whole season? Do you have more coming out for this first season? We've aired the entire first season. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to have like an outtakes episode. Oh my god! Something we With should. kids involved, you <laughs> should. I'm sure there's a lot. There's so much. Are there's there so some much. that you can think of <laughs> that didn't make the cut? I don't know. Okay, so I remember there there was one boy in particular on set that somehow always managed to bring the conversation back around to suing someone. It was like, oh my God. Yeah. It was like, yeah. You know, and if that person doesn't respect your consent in that situation, you can just sue them and get like a ton of money. Like the most litigious child ever. Um, I was like, I just want like a super cut super of cut all of the reasons you can sue someone when they <laughs> In their, like, sexual negotiation. I love that. You can just sue them. You can just sue them. Just it's sue fine. Them. Oh, my God. Um, what I, I can't remember what the moment was, but I remember there was one moment on set. I don't remember what we were doing, and you and I both lost it. Oh, my gosh. Like, somebody said something, and I we lost know. it. One of I remember some of the funniest parts where, like, I couldn't believe myself was when the kids dressed up and pretended to ask <gasps> parent questions. Oh, yeah. And they all got way more into it than any of us were expecting. They, like, yeah. all were, like, like crafted their persona. Their they persona. were like, exactly. They like went deep into the craft of it. Like they, they were very dropped into their characters. Yeah, and then we're just wandering around set in their little costumes yeah. in characters. Like I really, as a former actor, I so respect your commitment to the role. <laughs> exactly. I want a rough cut. Yeah, of all of their like acting yeah. parenting. And so, then yeah, there's and I just want like a bonus reel of. Things that they said that weren't necessarily funny, but were just really insightful that didn't yeah. make it into the episode. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the conversations we had just kind of blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did thing? Did anything really? Did a reaction from the kids ever really surprise you? Um, I don't remember whether I told this story on the last time I was here, but I like made the choice to come out to the kids during like mm. the no, sexual told, orientation. About this. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So tell us. We like have like little intros for each episode, and I was like, <laughs> I want to do it where we're like looking at a magazine and talking about crushes and I can be like I like Lauren Hareggy and Tom Holland and Sean Mendez and like they think that was maybe on the second day of filming yeah. so we had like met the kids I was like these kids are probably gonna be chill but there's still like always that fear like whenever you're coming out to anybody that like they might react in a weird way but I like say this piece where I'm talking about how cute like Sean Mendez is and like Lauren Hareggy and like one of the kids just like puts up their hand and is like I don't mean to derail but I like love Sean Mendez <laughs> and like it was not a thing at all they were just like great your Except crushes it, sound yes. great let's talk about how cute Sean Mendez yeah, is it just and it was, became like yeah. Sean Mendez appreciation hour <laughs> yeah and it was like not a deal at all that I was queer and I, I it yeah. like warmed my heart so much yeah. Yeah, and then I was like, I'm completely left out of this, only because I'm like, I have no idea I'm who true. that is. I, I know who it is, but I was like, I'm not ready to come out as a cougar right now, so I can't really be in this conversation. Yeah, yeah. I have to admit, amazing. I googled Sean Mendes after. <laughs> Um, do you, have you had any uh, reactions from this series that 
were lovely or or was anybody did anybody kind of come up in a weird way against it or like there've been a few like How's very few like <laughs> critical or I wouldn't even say critical because there there wasn't really any things specific they could point to but there was like been I think maybe two or three people Mm -hmm. in Instagram comments or something who were kind of like meh this is weird and I don't like it but overwhelmingly the response I've had has been extremely positive yeah like extremely extremely positive and where do you think that that comment might come from nah it's weird I don't like it again I think it's just probably personal discomfort not being used to hearing these conversations maybe not being accustomed to hearing children speaking that frankly or having us speak that frankly to children and you know as human beings when we feel uncomfortable and anxious sometimes our first reaction is to try and rationalize it and say well I'm uncomfortable because this is wrong um, as opposed to I'm uncomfortable because I'm uncomfortable because this is new or unusual to me um, I mean, I don't want to judge too harshly because I, I know I've done it too, where I'm just like, I don't like the feeling in my stomach that this is giving me. So I'm just going to project onto sure. the thing that's stimulating that feeling and being like, let me think of all the reasons that this is not okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure we all have reacted that way. Yeah. But I like how that circles back to your technology episode. <laughs> It's like, this is a show that you're putting on YouTube for people to comment as they wish mm-hmm. on the social media of sex ed school. Yeah. And you actually have an episode about being kind on yeah. social media. We're yeah. calling you out. Yes. Hey. Call Don't like, do this. Here's a link to our episode on being cool <gasps> on the should. internet. <laughs> oh yeah, gosh. that's how you comment to every bad comment. Just yeah. drop that link Boom. of that episode. Here's a link for you. Amazing. <laughs> Are there any topics? Topics, guests um, that you wish you covered that you maybe would like. I know there's no like hard and fast plans for a season two, or maybe there are, but <laughs> we're not dropping it here. They may be not fast plans, <laughs> but slow, hard and slow. But conversations, <laughs> their conversations are happening. Okay, so what kind of things might we expect from Sex Ed School in the future? Um, I, I think I really want, and I'm sure lots of other people want, like, a dedicated episode to healthy relationships. Because yes. I think, yeah, I think we covered it a little bit in the consent episode, but, like, there's so much more we could talk about. Yeah, yeah I would love to do, so we've done an episode on genitals, you know, just as an umbrella episode. I would love to do an episode on, like, components of genitals. Like, I would love to do an episode on just the clitoris, where you can talk about the fact that clitorises get erect. Yeah. yeah. And an episode on like testicles, like specifically and really get into the nitty gritty, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. And like talking about like gender roles too. Mm-hmm. I hope that we have an episode on that. And we had an episode that ended up on the cutting board about what is sexy. Yes. Yeah. So want to do that episode. Which I think like. It seems kind of abstract, but when we talk about, like, how kids are navigating, like, TV shows and media and, yeah. like, about sexy, I think it'd be really cool to kind of, like, mm-hmm. deconstruct that and, like, work through that with them a little yeah. bit. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should probably end it there, but mm-hmm. before you go, I'd love for each of you to tell me, you know, uh, you know, collectively, where can we watch, like, subscribe, share Sex Ed School, but also where we can individually follow you, because you're both lovely sex educators, and have lovely social media feeds. Yeah! 
Go for it. You have the empire. So, like, <laughs> oh you got to lay it down for folks. Make sure they know where to find you. So Sex Ed School is on the Shaftesbury Kids YouTube channel. If you go there, we have a little playlist. You can watch all the episodes. We also have a website, sexedschool.ca, and you can find episodes, more resources, including all of Nadine's amazing stuff, and we have a blog, too. So that's one place to find all the places to find sex ed school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so my YouTube channel is called What's My Body Doing? I mostly do sex ed for queer young adults. Um, I'm on Instagram a lot right now, too. So that's What's My Body Doing? And then on Twitter, What's My Body Doing? Without the G, because it's too long. But just imagine me, like, doing. finger guns in it up. <laughs> so I doing. Yeah, there we go. So folks can find me... On all of the sex ed school social media, you can also find me personally on Instagram at Nadine Thornhill. I'm also on Twitter at Nadine Thornhill. My Twitter is a little bit more personal. My thoughts on like celebrity and society and like pie. It's very random. Very important. (laughs) (laughs) And then my YouTube channel is Nadine Thornhill and most of my videos are, you know, tips, advice, guidance for people who have children and teens in their lives and want to have, you know, more open, meaningful conversations about sex, sexuality, and all the related things. Amazing. Yeah. Um, And lastly, before you go, I'd love for you to tell us, um, for Sex Ed School, who do you think might enjoy this? Who should watch it? Who is it for? Who might like it? So my recommendation would be for, if you are a parent, a caregiver, if you have a child in your life and you are like, oh my god, how do I have these conversations? Watch it. I would suggest if you're not sure, watch it alone first and then maybe you can watch it with the person in your life. But for me as a parent, even though it's it's targeted towards children, I think it can be so reassuring as an adult to watch it and really watch the kids and how comfortable and easily they can manage these conversations. Mm-hmm. I think it will make you feel much, much, much better. Mm-hmm. So if you're an anxious parent, caregiver, watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything I to add? would also say, like, anybody. Like, I think both of us mm-hmm. mentioned that, like, watching it was kind of, like, cathartic and, like, powerful to, like, watch kids get the sex ed that you wish you had. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that it's, like, funny and engaging for anybody to watch. It's fun. (laughs) And if you're just, like, a sex nerd, like, are interested in sex education, I would also think suggest that you watch it too <laughs> amazing all right so for bedposts if you're in the toronto area we are of course doing our bedpost stage show the third friday of every month at 8 p.m at the social capital theater and uh we have a special guest eva bloom <laughs> on the next uh bedpost stage show that ha- is happening november the 15th Ooh. you're doing our sex pert segment and we are talking about your master's thesis sure, yeah. sexting <laughs> good times yes. and then and, uh, you know, for all my social media, for my pro-dom stuff, I'm at the Lady Pim one both on Instagram and Twitter. For our bedpost, we've got our Facebook page at Bedpost Erotica, Instagram, the Bedpost Podcast, um, bedpost.ca. You can email me at thebedpostsexshow at gmail.com. And the YouTube channel is the Bedpost Sex Show. Lastly, a big huge thank you to Stephanie Copeland, who does all the original music for my podcast. Love her. And if uh, you want to check out her art, that is at stephcopelandmusic.com. Once again, thank you to my lovely guests, Nadine Thornhill and Eva Bloom. Thank you to all of you who have been listening. We'll see you next week with another fun and sexy guest here in the studio to talk about sex and sexuality. Bye. Bye. Bye.
This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!